Welcome, welcome. This is the VBAC Link Podcast, and we are really excited to be here with you today. It's I feel like it's been a while since we've been recording. I guess it hasn't really been that long, but it just feels like a long time since we've been talking to people. And we have a really fun guest to come with us today. Her name is Jess. Uh, she's a full-time mom. She has two girls, and she has a bicornuate, 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 however you say it, uterus where like it's kind of like a heart shape, right? Mm -hmm. So um, that can sometimes cause problems conceiving and can cause problems um, with baby positioning. And she has a really, really cool story about her VBAC with the heart-shaped uterus. I'm just going to not even try and pronounce it anymore. (laughs) But um, I'm really excited to talk with Jess today because we actually had her scheduled to record a couple weeks ago, but they had an ice storm. She lives in Oregon. They had an ice storm in Oregon that shut down power and internet for days. Yeah, And at that time, we haven't had any more recording sessions planned, but then all of a sudden we decided to open this huge day and we're recording a ton of podcasts today. And Jess, you are our very first one. And we Yay. are so <laughs> excited that you're you're not iced in anymore and Me that too. you're back on and you can share your story with us. But before we do that, as always, we have a review of the week and Megan is going to read that for us. Ah, thank you. Okay, so this is a review that is actually from a listener from Ireland, which is super awesome. Um, The title is so informative. Says, hoping to have a VBAC in July. Listening to all the podcast episodes in preparation for my VBAC. Really positive and, and informative. I feel the more stories I hear, the more prepared I am for every eventuality. Fingers crossed. Thank you, Julie and Megan. And we, I'm assuming that was in May of last year. So I'm assuming she's had her baby by now. So Duffipe, I believe is the name. Duffy P. Duffy Pay. Duffy Pay. I don't know. Yeah. If you are still listening, we would love you to message us and let us know how things are going and how things went. I feel like if people tell us in the review that they're pregnant, they need to put their names so we can go and stalk them in our Facebook community because I just don't like not having closure for these types of things. (laughs) I can't handle it. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? I know. Okay, well, I'll turn the time back over to you, Julie, so we can hear this awesome story from Jess. You are tuned in to the VBAC Link Podcast with Julie Frankham and Megan Heaton, VBAC moms, doulas, and educators here to help you get inspired for birth after having a C-section. Together, they have created a robust VBAC preparation course along with this uplifting podcast for women who are preparing for their VBAC. Although these episodes are VBAC specific, they encourage all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a cesarean from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here are your hosts, Julie and Megan. Okay, Jess, Jess, Jess. I am so excited. You, Jess, let me just tell you guys a little bit about Jess. She came (laughs) on here and she was so happy and so smiley and her voice is just, yeah, I just like, as soon as she started talking, I started smiling. I don't think I'm going to stop smiling this whole entire episode. I think my cheeks will hurt by the end. 
she's just so fun and so cute. And um, she's going to tell her stories about her cesarean and then her magical unmedicated VBAC. So just without further ado, I'm just going to go ahead and turn it over to you. Okay. So my first pregnancy, I actually had a really smooth pregnancy, very uneventful. The only thing was that after one of my earlier ultrasounds, we had found out that I had a bicornar uterus. And the midwife that I was seeing at the time, her main concern was me either carrying to term, not being able to carry to term, and that there was always the chance that I could miscarry. Obviously, that was, it freaked me out at the beginning. But honestly, after just taking some time to think about it, I just knew deep down that I was meant to have this baby and that everything was going to be okay. So the midwife that I started off with, she only saw women up until we were about 20 weeks. And then we automatically got transferred over to a different practice that was with a group of midwives. I think there were probably about five or six midwives that were working there at the time. And whenever I transferred over there, they didn't really seem that concerned about me having a bicornate uterus. They said that, you know, there wasn't any reason why I shouldn't be able to deliver vaginally and we'll just keep an eye on it and everything should be okay. So I took their word for it and I didn't think anything of it. And throughout my entire pregnancy, I had this really hard, like hard bulge up on the right hand side of my rib cage. And every time that I went in, you know, we would see a different midwife. It was very rare that we would see the same one back to back. So every midwife that we saw would check the baby's position manually. And every single one told me that baby felt head down and that everything was great and I had nothing to worry about. So again, I didn't have any reason to disagree with them. I, you know, first time mom, I didn't know, I didn't know what, what felt like at all. So we got up to our 38 week appointment and my husband had come with me that day and we were curious about belly mapping. So we were chatting with the midwife about belly mapping and kind of wanted to know how to do it and all of that stuff because we were super interested in it. And so the midwife, she, you know, she checks my belly again. She feels that hard spot that's been there the entire time. And she goes, you know, I'm pretty sure that that is the baby's bum, but it's a really slow day today in the office. We have a portable ultrasound machine. Let me go and grab that really quick and we'll take a look and see kind of where baby's hanging out. So Gabe and I, we were obviously super excited because we haven't been able to see her since our anatomy scan. And so she came in and as soon as she put that Doppler on the hard spot on my stomach, you could see on the screen the outline of a perfectly round head. And right whenever she saw that, the mood in the room definitely took a shift. Things got very serious very quickly. And she was like, oh, okay, so that is definitely the baby's head. And immediately she was like, okay, we are going to send you in for an, an official ultrasound tomorrow to get it confirmed. And if it is, then you are going to have a scheduled C-section next week. So honestly, as a first-time mom, hearing that I was going to be having a C-section, I do have to say that in a way I did feel a little bit of relief at the time because I, you know, first time mom, I didn't know how to deliver vaginally. You can take all the birthing classes you want. And I personally still didn't feel prepared. 
And so just knowing that a C-section, I would know exactly, you know, the time, day, when and how all of that stuff was going to be covered. That in a way brought me a sense of relief. But anyways, we went in, we got the ultrasound and I don't know if there's a specific name, but she was definitely breech, but she was on the right hand side of my uterus since I have the septum going down the middle. And her feet, she was completely bent in half, basically. Like her feet were all the way up to her back behind her head. So she was, she had no room at all. And there always was the option of having an inversion. But because I had the biconer uterus, they weren't willing to even attempt it because they said that it would put too much stress on me and the baby. And obviously, I didn't want to do anything that would put either of us at risk. So we ended up having a C-section the following week. The C-section itself was not the smoothest. It was actually, it was a very rough procedure. I got a spinal block and I had to end up getting two because the first one didn't work. And the babe was actually stuck up in my rib cage. So my incision ended up having to be twice as long. So that way the surgeon could reach his hand up there to wiggle his finger into baby's mouth to pull her head down a certain way in order to get her to, you know, be delivered. So because of that, she came out with a bruised tongue, really tight TMJ muscles, and she was not breathing whenever she came out. So immediately she was taken over to the warming cart. Nobody was talking. It was pure silence. There were probably about five or six nurses that were over there, you know, trying to get her going. And at that point, I didn't feel very good. I was obviously still laying flat on my back and I just wasn't feeling very well. And I didn't trust myself to have her on my chest and to do the immediate skin to skin because I didn't want to drop her. So she actually got to have the first skin to skin moment with Gabe, which I am very grateful and very glad that they were able to have that special moment. But I do think that looking back, that is one of my bigger regrets is not doing the immediate skin to skin because the connection just wasn't there. The connection, like it wasn't as immediate as I thought it would. I wasn't able to hold her until we got back into our room, which I don't know how long it was, maybe half an hour or so after she was born. And it just, it just led to a whole bunch of other tough stuff. Like I had a really tough recovery. We had a horrible time breastfeeding. I had a really hard time with the connection. And a couple times in specific while we were there, this all happened while I was still numb from the surgery. I hadn't even gotten up and taken my first steps yet, but I had the surgeon and a couple other doctors come in and tell me that I am always going to be a C-section mom. There's no other way around it. And one of the baby's pediatricians came in and told me that if I ever wanted to have kids again, that I would have to have surgery to have the septum removed from my bicornate uterus or else I would miscarry. So, yeah. So, yeah. So that definitely left a sour taste in my mouth. In the end, I ended up struggling really hard with some pretty severe postpartum anxiety and depression and mom rage and all of that stuff. But yeah, so that's basically how 
the first baby got here. So then moving on to my second one, by the time that I had gotten done with my recovery with the first baby, you know, I still had the thoughts in the back of my head of always being a C-section mom and remembering how hard both mentally and physically the recovery was. And there honestly was a really short time where I didn't know if I wanted to have more kids because I just didn't think that I could go through that recovery again. And so I ended up getting pregnant with my second shortly after my first first birthday. And I didn't decide that I wanted to have a um, shoot for a VBAC until I was about in like 20 some weeks of my pregnancy. The practice that I delivered with the midwife clinic, they were all very VBAC friendly. They were the ones that kept, you know, bringing it up and saying, hey, do you want to have a, do you want to try and have a VBAC? You're a really good candidate. I think you would have a success and all of that. And I was the one that was on the fence because I had it in the back of my mind that I couldn't deliver vaginally because of my uterus and just that my body was broken and that I wasn't able to do this vaginally. So one of the main driving factors for me wanting to try and have a VBAC was because I remembered how difficult the recovery was. And I just kept thinking to myself, if I had that hard of recovery with just a baby, I couldn't even imagine having to do it again with a newborn and a not even two-year-old at home. So that was the main reason why I wanted to try and have a VBAC. And once I made the decision to have the VBAC, I mean, I dove in headfirst and did absolutely everything under the sun that I could to prepare. First and foremost, I found this amazing podcast, the VBAC link, and I took your parents prep VBAC course which I cannot Holla. recommend enough. Like, <laughs> I, yeah, like if I had to recommend anything to anyone that wanted to try and have a VBAC, it would definitely be to listen to this podcast and take the class. Because, like I said, I'm the type of person where the more prepared and everything that I can do, the better for me. And literally everything that I needed to know about how to have a VBAC and all the medical terminology and the statistics and all that stuff was literally in that book. And so all of the questions that I ever had were answered. So I did that. I started doing the spinning babies, daily essentials, stretches video every day. I was going on walks. I decided to do hypnobirthing as my form of I don't know what you call it, but like the way to cope through the contractions, I guess I should say, because one of the things that I had learned in your class was to go as long as I could without having any sort of medical intervention, that being an epidural. So those are all the things that I did. And there actually was one short moment whenever I thought that the baby was going to be head up again. So I actually went in and I requested a couple of ultrasounds because I had to actually tell them, this is what happened to me last time. I do not want it to happen again. And I need to have some ultrasounds so that way we can clearly confirm that baby is in the right position. And baby thankfully was in the right position. There was one midwife there that I really enjoyed and she, I don't even know what it was called, but if I had to describe it, it was the perfect blend between chiropractic care and prenatal massage, where she would go through from head to toe and she would feel all up and down my body, baby included, to feel any points of tension in my body. 
And then she would hold just the slightest bit of pressure until the tension naturally released. And I just knew that that was another thing that was going to help my VBAC success because my body was in alignment, which meant that the baby was going to have an easier time getting into the proper position. So as I got further along in my pregnancy, at the time where they start, you know, doing the checks to see how far you're dilated, I chose not to get checked very often. I think I only ended up getting checked twice throughout my entire pregnancy. And it wasn't because they wanted to get checked. It was just out of pure curiosity. I just kind of wanted to see what was going on and if my body was doing anything yet. And the first time that I got checked, I can't even remember how far along I was in my pregnancy at this point, but I was already dilated to a one. Now, I was super excited to be dilated to a one because with my first baby, I remember part of the pre-op stuff. I had to get checked and I was 38 and a half weeks and I was all zeros across the board. So the fact that I was already a one, I thought that was a huge accomplishment for me because I knew that my body was actually doing what it was literally made to do. And the midwife that I was seeing that day in particular, I didn't exactly vibe with that much. She she was nice, but she wasn't my favorite. And she didn't seem to think that being dilated a one was good enough. She thought that at this point that my body should have been progressed more. And that's when she had started pushing more of the doing all the things like the evening primrose oil, eating the dates, doing doing like the all the things to your body to get it ready for birth before your body's actually ready. And then she's, she just really got into my head and she started saying how if I didn't do the stuff that they don't do a fully bulb, so that's not an option. And if I wanted a fully bulb that I would have to transfer to a completely different hospital like an hour away. And she just kind of jumped off the deep end a little bit. And I got to say, she really got into my head. And after I went home, cried to Gabe a little bit. I, you know, I pulled myself together and I advocated for myself. I called the midwife clinic and I said, I need to schedule out the rest of my appointments and I cannot see that midwife because I just knew that mentally I didn't need to have that negative energy in my space as I was preparing for for birth. So I did not do any of the induction techniques. I didn't eat the dates. I didn't take the evening primrose oil. I didn't get membrane sweeps. I didn't do any of that. I just completely and fully sat back, relaxed, and just trusted my body and knew that whenever it was ready to deliver this baby, that it would do what it was meant to do. And that's what actually happened. So the day that I actually went into labor, it was July 29th at five o'clock in the morning. And my husband had just gotten home from work. He got stuck at work late. So he had only been asleep for, I mean, it was maybe only half an hour. And I remember I was sleeping and I got woken up by some really light, deep period cramps. And my eyes shot open. And I remember, I remember thinking, my midwife said that, you know, this would happen whenever I was going into labor. But it wasn't super intense. I kind of brushed it off and I went back to sleep because I was like, oh, it's probably just round ligament pain. Like I'm only 39 and 39 weeks in one day. Like this isn't happening. 
Not even five minutes later, I felt this really faint pop. And it's so hard to describe, but it's almost like a water balloon inside of you is popping. And I was like, wow, okay, that's weird. Never felt anything like that before. I was like, oh my gosh, my midwife said that if my water broke, that this is what it could feel like. So I woke Gabe up who had just fallen asleep. And I was like, I don't know for certain, but I'm pretty sure that something might be happening. So I walked to the bathroom, you know, to kind of go and scope things out. And as I am pulling down my pants to sit on the toilet, my waters fall out. And I just stop completely in my tracks. And I'm like, oh my gosh, my water just broke on its own. Like we're doing this thing. And I'm texting Gabe back and forth from the bathroom being like, oh my gosh, my water broke. We need to call the midwife. We need to call my mom to come and stay with Audrey. And I was just going down all of this list of things that I had to do because I just knew like it was go time. And so we called the midwife. She had wanted me to go ahead and get ready to come into the hospital because I had tested positive for, I think it's, is it group B? Something like that. And she wanted to get medication started. Group B strep. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I had tested positive for that and she wanted me to come in so that way we could get the medication started. But we ended up calling her back because I really wanted to labor at home for as long as I could. So that way, you know, the chances of intervention were smaller. So thinking back, I don't know why I thought I had more time than I actually did. But right off the bat, my contractions were probably like two to three minutes apart. 30 seconds long, and it was just back to back to back to back. And I guess that I thought that I had more time than I actually did because they weren't as intense as I thought they would be yet. I was still able to, you know, shower and all of that stuff and get my stuff ready and talk and breathe through them and all that. So I guess that I thought I had more time than I did. I definitely did not. It was a very close call. The contractions immediately got really intense. And we were at this point, we were just waiting for my mom to come. She lived about, she lives about half an hour away from us. So we were waiting for her to get to the house so she could stay with Audrey. And by the time my mom had gotten, I mean, she said that she could hear me. She was standing outside and she could hear me laboring in the bathroom. Like it was super intense. And I don't even remember looking at her, talking to her. I just passed by her to get in the car. And I told Gabe, I was like, we have got to get to the hospital. Like, I don't think we're going to make it. So I had a couple more contractions before I was able to get myself into the car. I was afraid to get in the car because I didn't want to sit. Sitting was extremely, extremely uncomfortable for me. When I tell you that that was the longest car ride of my entire life, Like, I cannot even tell you how hard of a car ride that was. (laughs) It's hard to sit there. Oh, my gosh. It was so hard. And the hospital we were delivering at was half an hour away. So we were, I mean, Gabe was booking it. I was contracting so, so hard. But we think, thankfully, we made it. So the hospital that we deliver at is actually pretty small. So there's only two entrances. There's the maternity entrance and then there's an emergency room entrance. And it's just on either side of the parking lot. So obviously we had pulled into the maternity entrance 
And after we get out of the car and walk up to the door, we see that because of COVID, everyone has to check in through the emergency room entrance. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this literally cannot be happening to me right now. And Gabe was like, okay, well, do you want to walk over there? Do you want to get in the car and you want to drive over there? And you can see the other entrance. Like I said, from the door where we're standing, I was like, I am not sitting down again. Let's just walk. Thinking back, it would have been much faster if we just zipped right over there really quick. But for whatever reason, I wanted to walk. I was laboring so, so hard throughout the entire parking lot. And whenever people say that whenever you are in the middle of delivering your baby, that you go into a completely different world, that is 100% true. At that point, I didn't care who saw me. I didn't care what I was doing. I didn't care how loud I was. There were people walking out to their cars. There were nurses, doctors everywhere. And I was just in the zone trying to breathe through these tough contractions. So of course, with COVID, before we were actually able to go to the maternity entrance, we had to go through this checkpoint and questionnaire for all of this COVID screening. I had to get my temperature taken. I had to get a badge. I had to answer all of these questions. Again, while not even really be- being able to talk, I the nurse was very persistent. And I know everyone's got their job to do, but I was like, come on, lady. <laughs> like, I'm about to pop this baby out right now. Like, I can't. Anyway, so after we got done with all the questions, she's like, okay, do you want to walk or do you want to, or do you want to go in a wheelchair? And I was like, I do not care. Just whatever gets me there faster. So I ended up sitting in the wheelchair. Gabe pushed me and we sprinted down the really long hallway before we had to go through another checkpoint. And um, they were like, are you the VBAC patient? Everyone's waiting for you. And at that point, after I heard that, I just felt a sense of relief. Like, okay, like we're going to be okay. We're, we're going to do this because they they were prepared for me. And as soon as the big doors opened, my entire birth team was there. My midwife was there, the nurses, the doc, um, there were like other doctors, like everybody was just there and they were, they were waiting for me. Oh, and that probably feels really good. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I was like, okay, I'm not going to have to do this by myself. Like I'm in good hands here. So as soon as I lay eyes on my midwife, the first words out of my mouth were, I need an epidural. And she goes, okay, like super calm and collected. Okay, well, let's go and get you back to your room. We'll check and see how far along you are. Now, if you're pretty progressed, do you still want to have an epidural? And I was like, I don't know, but I have, I have got to have something. And at this point, like, giving birth is such an athletic event. Like it is so athletic. So at this point I am so tired and I am sweating to death. I'm like, holy crap, like this is so much. And so we, we go into the room and there were so many people in that room. It was me, Gabe, the midwife, and there were honestly probably like three other nurses. And then eventually the I call him the epidural guy, anesthesiologist. I don't know. He he was in there at one point. And so I'm at the foot of my bed. I ripped off my pants and the midwife was already down behind me. And she was checking me and she goes, okay, well, you are eight centimeters dilated. And I was like, and I was like, okay. So she is down behind me the entire time. I have another nurse who is in front of me who has a Doppler on the tummy to keep an eye on baby. Gabe is sitting down in a chair being great support for me. 
and then I am gripping onto the foot of the bed railing going through the contractions and up in front of me are all of the nurses plus the anesthesiologist who are trying to get an IV in me and all that stuff, you know, in case, in case I needed it. And I was extremely hydrated, come to find out. So they had a very difficult time getting an IV started. So I think I ended up getting poked probably, I don't know, maybe eight times, honestly. And every time they're like, I'm so sorry we have to do this. I'm so sorry we have to do this. And in between contractions, I looked at them and I was like, literally, I do not care what you are doing to me right now because I don't feel it. And so eventually they got one started, but it took forever. And so the biggest thing that I was saying throughout the contractions was, I feel like I'm going to poop my pants. I feel like I'm going to poop. And my midwife kept telling me, she's like, that's good. That's good. That means your baby's coming. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm literally about to poop myself right now. I can feel it. And so she brought over a chair and I was still standing in front of the bed and she had me put one foot up on a chair and she checked again and she goes, okay, you are now a full 10. So baby is going to be here in just a second. And this was probably in the span of maybe half an hour. And one of the things I remember is that I had the heart monitor, the finger heart monitor thing on. And I kept flicking it off my finger during contractions because I couldn't fully grip on to the bed railings. So the nurse had to stick one on my pinky toe. So that way she could keep an eye on me. And after one of my last contractions, my midwife was telling me that she felt like I was, I was clenching, like I was kind of holding my baby in a little bit. And I was like, okay. And she's like, how about next contraction? After that one's over, we have you crawl up on the bed on all fours and we'll see if that helps. And I was like, I don't think I can crawl up on that bed right now. I don't. And she's like, it's okay. We can, we'll bring the bed down. It'll be easy peasy. You can just crawl right up. So I crawled up on, I was on all fours. She was definitely coaching me. She was telling me kind of like how to breathe because obviously I had to get very vocal throughout the contractions. And she was telling me to like really breathe and dig deep with the contractions and use the contractions as a way to push the baby out. And I did that and I pushed one more time and out came the baby. And it was the most magical healing experience for me of my entire life. I was able to do the immediate skin to skin I was able, we were able to do the delayed cord clamping. I actually cut the cord myself. I was able to see my placenta and it was just the most magical experience that I've ever had because I completely 100% trusted my body to do what I knew it could do and, mm. and it worked. So yeah. I love that. I love that you say, you know, I 100% trust my body, you know, and knew that it was able to do it because this is something that I even found so hard (laughs) because I'd be like, okay, I know I can do it, but can I? Okay. No, I can, but, but really can I, you know, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and even, even like during the birth, I'm like, wait, okay. 
can I, can I do be, this? <laughs> I, I can do, yeah. I can keep going. Right. Like, cause I had, um, unfortunately I did not have a fast, um, intense experience. I had a slow <laughs> yeah, a turtle paced labor. And there were times where I'm like, no, nope. And then like my husband would look at me like, remember, this is what you wanted. You can do this. And I'm like, oh yeah. Okay. Okay, I can do it. Yeah. You know, um, so we have to believe in ourselves. And even in the moments that we doubt, we have our teams. And so that's why I think having a team is so important. And I love that when the big doors opened, your team was there and waiting for you because mm. I truly can only imagine how that felt for you. Oh, yeah. You know? It was such a huge sigh of relief because, like I said, like I didn't know what I was doing. Like it was a, like, I didn't have a choice except to just work through it. <laughs> and I was like, I need a professional here that actually knows what's going on to help me. So yeah, it was great seeing them there. I love that. How comforting. That. Yeah. That just part of your story warmed my heart so much. I'm like, you get there, you're in active labor, you're really excited. Your whole entire team welcomes you. And then you're eight centimeters dilated. Like what a high. I just, know. I know. Keep going on. <laughs> I know. Gabe and I, we go. Oh my gosh! Like, what if there was like a car accident or road work, or it was during the summer? So we always have like a bunch of, you know, farming equipment on the road. We were like, oh my gosh! I would have had my baby in the car if we showed up a minute later. <laughs> it was just crazy. Yep. Oh my gosh! I That's love really it. Fun. I love, and you know. I, something I love too, is that how you said in the beginning, like, you know, my provider's like, yeah, you're a great candidate for a VBAC. And you're like, no. And like, you weren't super on board and you weren't, you yeah. weren't for it at that time. And, you know, we, we find that that is the case sometimes. And it's okay when those cases stay the same where they're like, yeah, no, VBAC, VBAC just really isn't for me. But I think something that, you know, Julie and I like to encourage people to do is educate yourself on both sides Mm -hmm. So you truly know what the best route is for you. And if it is a VBAC, awesome. If it's not a VBAC and it's a CBAC, yes, great. Like do what's best for you. So I love that, you know, you kind of found out your, your options and then eventually you were like, oh, this is totally what I want to do. You yeah. know, and you went with it because it is, it, there's something to say when you feel empowered for making the choice for you, when you are being told Okay, so you'll always have to have a C-section and you're going to have to have surgery to have it. Like that's daunting and scary. And you're like, well, oh, yeah. overwhelming, you know, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And I think that's something that's really important is just, I mean, just because you can have a VBAC, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's the best option for you. And same goes with a C-section. I think that every woman is different and it's just important for you to kind of take a step back go through all of your options, like you said, and pick what's best for you. And that's why I honestly, truly cannot thank your VBAC prep course enough Aww. because it, it laid out all of the options for me. And mm -hmm. I knew, like I knew how to have a C-section for my first time. And I felt way prepared and more after going through your VBAC prep course. Yeah, well, thank I you so much. Yeah, that's one of the things we go over in the course is 
And, and I don't know, I'm kind of like going to maybe mush our course and like what I go over through or go over with my clients in our prenatal visits for my doula work. I just have a plan A, a plan B and a plan C. And like plan A is like your perfect plan. If everything goes the way you want it, what does that look like? Plan B is your backup plan, right? It's so like if you're planning to go unmedicated, what if you need an epidural or what if you need to be induced or things like that, your backup plan and your plan C is your cesarean plan. So it's really funny. Funny is probably not the right word, but it's interesting as I talk to people because I don't make them create a cesarean plan. We always have a backup plan, but I ask them like, if you need a cesarean, whether it's first time moms or, or birth after cesarean or whatever, but if you need a cesarean, like, do you want to know what options are available for you? And do you want to have information about that? And some people are like, oh no, 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 no. I don't want to say the C word. I only want good vibes. We're only projecting vaginal birth. And I feel like if I talk about it and create that, it's like setting myself up for a cesarean. Mm -hmm. But I, I think that that's, and for some people, I think that maybe they just don't need the mental space or they don't have the (laughs) mental space to go there, but it's probably a sign that you need to do some kind of processing work in order to, uh, to get your mind in a better space because when you fear something and then it happens to you it makes you know your possibility of trauma way more likely but having a backup cesarean plan like you said if your birth ends up that way you can enter into all the different changes of labor and birth with confidence because you already know about them you don't have to tell your doctor to explain the risks um, and benefits of things to you which you should still do because maybe there's something you don't know about but um learning all about all of the different options help you be more confident. And as Megan and I work with um, our doula clients and every one of you at the VBAC link, that is the number one thing that people say they wish they had more of going into their VBAC is confidence, confidence Mm -hmm. in themselves, confidence in their provider and confidence that they'll know how to make the right decisions. If something doesn't go as expected. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just why it shows that it takes just as much physical prep as it does mental prep. Because, I mean, you can do everything that you can under the sun to prep your body physically for birth. But birth is such a mental game. And if you don't have, you know, the preparation that you need and you haven't processed the things that you need, it can be it can be difficult. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why we go over all of that in our course, too. In fact, we start out with the mental prep part just because it's probably the most important part and entering the rest of the course with a free mind can really open you up to more learning. Now, Megan, Megan and I were texting while you were talking and we're like, wait, her voice sounds so familiar. Yeah. I was like, I what know else? her. <laughs> well, I was like, like, you know, we know you. I was like, I know her. And like, when I, when you popped up, I was like, I know her face. And I'm like, wait. And so like 10 minutes in, I'm like, Julie, this is just like the YouTube girl. Like <laughs> that shared her, <laughs> that shared her, like about our course on YouTube, and she's like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> so we're like, "Oh my heavens!" I just love you. Like I'm like, I know I know her face and her voice, and Julie's like, "Yeah, I know, I remember." I'm like, so, it's, I think it's that girl that made the cute yeah, YouTube video. Um, yeah. But uh, Jess, why don't you tell people where to find your YouTube channel? Because I'm pretty sure everyone should watch it because she talks all about all of the things that she did to prepare for her VBAC, both mentally and emotionally and on the educational side. So yeah, share with everybody because everyone needs to go and watch this video. It is so fun. Yeah. So my YouTube channel is called Jess and Babe. It's all one word. And I actually started it whenever 
I was postpartum with my first baby. And like I said, I got diagnosed with pretty bad mom rage and postpartum anxiety. And I just found that creating videos that I wish that I would have seen whenever I was postpartum, that would have helped me, if that makes sense. Like I wanted to make the videos that I wish I would have seen. And it was just a really great form of therapy, I have to say, just knowing that I am helping people. So, I mean, it's not it's not a huge, huge YouTube channel yet by any means. It's very small, but I know that the videos that I make, they are helping people. And I talk about all things. The VBAC video is the one that I just recently had posted, but I've talked about like sleep training, breastfeeding, got some vlogs if you want to see my adorable babies and all of that stuff. But yeah, it's so much fun. So much fun. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad that we've come full circle. Well, you talked about coming full circle when we first started recording or before we started recording about how you were listening to the podcast and you were like, oh my gosh, what if I could be on the podcast one day and you're full circle here. And I feel like we're full circle now because we we saw your YouTube video and now we get to hear hear your story again on the VBAC Link podcast and everyone else is going to hear your story and you are just so uplifting and you are going to inspire so many women. It makes Thank my you heart so, much. so happy. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, before I say bye, I have something to share that I think would actually fit this whole, like your whole vision for the whole VBAC Link and everything. Yes. Um, so it's actually a quote that I saw yesterday and it says, it's not that birth is painful. It's that women are strong. Yes, oh, and, I love that. And I saw that and I was like, ooh, I have got to share that tomorrow on the VBAC link because that yes. is what, I mean, that's exactly what you guys are sharing. I even had your We Are Women of Strength card yes. that came in your class. I had oh. that as set as my screensaver throughout my awesome. entire pregnancy. Oh, I so love it. I just thought it was fitting. That, oh, is that really makes neat. me so happy. Yeah. Oh, I just love you. We need to be friends. Yeah, I you love to be your friend. Let's be friends. Oh my gosh. I know. I'm like, can we go to Oregon just to come see you? Oh my gosh. It'd be so awesome. Oh my gosh. I think like once. I just was really bummed because 2020 kind of ruined plans for everybody, but we had this big plans. We were scheduled to go to three or four different cities in our, in the country to teach in-person classes for parents and doulas. And all of that got canceled because COVID. Thanks COVID. I know. (laughs) And now though, as soon as like, travel restrictions are more clear and we can have more people in a course at a time, then we are going to start traveling again. And Megan, gosh, there's so many places we need to go. Like, how are we going to choose? There's so many amazing people. But I I definitely think Oregon should be on our destination list. Totally. I would love it. I've never been. I would love to go. You totally should. It's great. I hear it's very beautiful. (laughs) I got jealous from one of my friends posting pictures of going up there to the Pacific Northwest. And I'm thinking we need to make a little road trip up there. Back in the day when I did workers comp, I serviced Washington and Oregon. And it was always so fun to talk to them about the weather and what everything was going on. And so one day, one day I need to make one it day. Yeah. All right. Well, Jess, thank you so much for sharing your story with everybody. We truly just absolutely adore you and are so grateful for you for sharing your story. And thank that you. YouTube video is so much fun. And anyone that wants more information about our VBAC parents prep course, you can just go to the VBAC link.com slash shop. 
and it will have the course right there for you so you can take it um, get enrolled and get educated so that you can safely and confidently navigate all the twists and turns birth might take. Would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Head over to the vbacklink.com slash share and submit your story. For more information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to the vbacklink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.